Hey everyone, welcome to another awesome episode of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen. I'm super glad you guys are tuning in. I need to do a huge, huge shout out to all of those supporting the podcast over on Patreon. Um, it's really helping me out and uh, I wouldn't be doing it without your support, so thank you. Um, if you haven't uh, contributed yet, please consider contributing. Even a dollar a month would help. Five dollars or more gets you uh, access to amazing bonus content and... I send out some goodies now and then. This is episode 66 with Michael Shanebloom, one of the most amazing photographers of our time, I think. And uh, I'm not just lying about that. Check his work out. It is fantastic. And uh, man, this episode is, we covered so much ground. I'm not even going to try to give you it all. Check out the show notes and uh, sit back and listen. It's it's an awesome episode, and I, I put Michael on the spot a little bit, and he re- responded um, very nicely. So thanks for that, man. Enjoy the show. All right, Michael Shanebloom, thank you so much for coming on to F-Stop, Collaborate, and Listen. Hey, thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So what is your beer of choice tonight? Um, I have the 21st Amendment Brewery Blood Orange IPA right now. Oh, that sounds delicious. I am drinking a Belgian quad called The Reverend. Not bad, not bad. Absolutely. Yeah, I decided to go local local San Francisco on this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm local Colorado at least, so. Nice, nice. Got to support the local brewers. <laughs> Agreed. Right on, man. So, shit, I mean, I feel like this is probably silly since everyone probably already knows who you are, but I don't care. So... I would love it if you maybe just, uh, you know, told everyone who you are and like uh, where you live. Um, you know, like you have 27 mm-hmm. dogs and 14 cats or 15 <laughs> Oh, no, that would be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, just tell us a, a little bit about yourself and um, maybe cap it off with uh, how you got into this crazy world of photography. Yeah, no, no problem. Um so yeah, my name's Michael Shamlin, as mentioned before. Uh, and yeah, I'm based in San Francisco right now, but I'm from San Diego, a little, little down south. And I pretty much lived in California my entire life. And um, yeah, you know, I <laughs> 27, just kind of hang out in San Francisco when I'm not taking pictures. And I do most things that everyone else does just uh (laughs) go to the beach and fill out emails and uh i don't know have barbecues have a good time but um yeah as far as photography and art goes um i i've always been really interested in art i found that art was always the way that i could express myself and have fun and and it's sort of where i found happiness as a kid um and i tried everything from painting to sculpting to web design to you know anything that was visual and related to art i i tried and um yeah i i took a darkroom class when i was in middle school part of like a after school program uh, that my parents made me go to because they they said I needed to take like a typing class <laughs> and and a few other classes and then one of the extra ones that I could pick was um, film photography and darkroom processing and I was like all right I'm doing that for sure 
And I bet, and I bet it, with all those emails that you fill out, you're glad you took that typing class. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the whole, oh my gosh, that's probably been the hardest thing to, <laughs> that's been one of the hardest things to learn how to do and, and become better at is writing because I'm, I'm dyslexic. Hmm. Um, so early on, it's still difficult for me, but reading and writing is not not my strong suit. So email, I'll have to re- go over and reread emails a few times and writing interviews. People will send me a bunch of questions and I'm like, oh my God, this is going to take me forever to fill out. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, I, I took that darkroom class um, and it was amazing. It was a lot of fun. The, the people who were helping us develop the images were incredible teachers and it was a really amazing experience. And then about two years later, I got my first digital camera um, right in the beginning of high school. And that was pretty much, that was game over. Like I took that thing everywhere. I took pictures of everything, <laughs> everything. I see it like a little crack on the wall. If that was, if that looked weird or odd in some way, I would take a picture of it. And then you know, bring it to class and take pictures after school and skip doing homework to take pictures. And um, yeah, it was just my favorite thing to do. And then I would take those images, bring them into Photoshop, mess around. And yeah, that's kind of how it all got got started, I guess, or, or how I started um, getting really into photography. And I tried every single type of photography I could as well. Like I, tr- I went through and did portrait, um, I did product, I did action sports, concert photography, um, real estate. I, I did everything I possibly could. And, and landscape was always the thing that I enjoyed on a personal, uh, on a personal level the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's sort of where, where that all came from. But yeah, I've just, it's photography is awesome. That's, that's all I can really say. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that uh, at some point you were, um, you know, going to guess college. I'm assuming, and uh, and uh, you you skipped class uh, like a great student that you are. Um, um, this is according to TJ Thorne. I'm just saying what he said. And uh, you went. TJ just <laughs> likes to tell stories. He does. He does. <laughs> but uh, you took the opportunity to go take a take a Milky Way photograph. Um, so I'm curious about. Uh, at what point in your career did that happen and what happened because of that? Um, yeah. So the story that he's thinking of <laughs> is, um, so I went to a, a school called Brooks Institute of Photography okay. and um, it, it would be funny if I said I was studying to be a landscape photographer, but that wasn't really um that wasn't really the case or a possibility. Uh, I was <laughs> I was studying to do commercial um, advertising and, and commercial photography, uh, mostly studio actually. So I was studying to do uh, different lighting situations for product photography and for hmm. portraits. You know, um, like doing catalog shooting for like Macy's and then also, you know, stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that style of photography, but I really just um, realized uh, over, you know, I realized after a few years that that really wasn't where my passion was in photography. And I was always doing landscape on the side and I got really into night sky photography. Um, I was in, I got into it in 2009, but I had no idea how to do it at all. And I didn't have the equipment that could, 
you know, capture the Milky Way. And I didn't live in an area that that was great for the Milky Way either. Um, but but, you know, I started doing a lot of star trails and then I got into shooting the night sky stuff in, I think, 2010 or more of the uh, crisp star shots in mm-hmm. 2010, 2011. And then um, so when I was in college, um, one night I wanted to go shoot the Milky Way. It was like perfect conditions. Um, so I drove up the mountain and I had class the next morning. And then I just, uh, I stayed out all night shooting the Milky Way and, <laughs> and camping up the mountain. And then I, I drove down like at, you know, after sunrise and was pretty much driving down when I, when I was supposed to, <laughs> you know, go to class. And, right. and so I ended up just skipping my class. And I think the next day I got I can't remember if I got chewed out or not I think some I think it got brought up to me but um (laughs) but then later on a year or two later I ended up licensing that that same Milky Way picture for the Adobe Creative Cloud um advertising campaign um and then they they bought that for a year and then they bought it the next year and then the third year they just decided to buy out the image for, for the entire, like they, they just wanted it for the entire, um, you know, they, they wanted it for forever, like perpetuity for the, <laughs> for the advertisement. Um, and it was just, it was so random and I had, I had taken a bunch of Milky Way panoramas up there as well. So I have some other, you know, variations of it that I, that I like, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it was just funny how that one day that I decided to skip was the one, was the one photo that, you know, I mean, at, at that time, that was probably my biggest, uh, my, my biggest photography license or, you know, my biggest photography. Yeah, pretty much just my biggest photography license at the time. Nice. So I'm curious, like, in addition to, um, I don't want to say getting lucky, but like striking a big thing like that. Uh, what like what else did you do early on in your career to to gain traction and to gain gain popularity and to uh get yourself known yeah so i guess um so i was posting my images online for a little while you know i i was posting images on facebook and um i think i even posted images on myspace back when that was (laughs) more of a thing Um, and, and, and I really had no intention of making social media a thing. And I, and I don't think I knew that it could be a thing at that time anyways, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, yeah, in college I, I would, I posted my images like landscape images and it was because I wanted to share it with my friends and my family. And I maybe had 50 people that you know, 50 to a hundred people that were actually looking at my stuff and who were actually, you know, connected with me on social media. And yeah, so I, I would take pictures and share them with, with classmates and friends and um, family and, and my teachers were on there as well. So, you know, they would see some of my work. And so that's how it all started. And I started posting more, I started posting more night sky stuff when I got really into shooting the Milky way and, and those images started getting picked up by blogs. Hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, the Milky way would get shared and then 
probably by one of my friends or somebody. And then it, that'd get shared by somebody else who I didn't know, but was one of their friends or one of their colleagues or something. And then somehow, um, you know, these first, these earlier Milky Way photos that I took ended up getting picked up by these bigger pages and bigger blogs and, Hmm. um, they would share it and then link back to me. And then, um, you know, I, I was having stuff linked from my website. People were finding it on Google. Um, and I was also creating time-lapse videos at that time too. And those time-lapse videos would get shared and I would post them on Vimeo and, and they would get fairly popular at the time. And then everyone would rush from Vimeo to go follow me on Facebook and on, right. on the other platforms. And it was very, it was, I was just trying to share my, my work, I guess. Um, and it wasn't super in, it, like the goal was never like, I'm going to grow a big social media account. And I didn't, you know, I didn't, re- I guess I didn't even realize the value in that at the time. I just wanted to share work. And, but while sharing that work, I started gaining more traction and 50 people became 500 people and 500 people became 5,000 people. Um, and then so on. And yeah. And um, it was really just sharing, just sharing a lot of uh, stuff that I was proud of. Um, and of course, getting the traction from blogs and, and places and um, getting picked up outside of social media. Like, you know, I'd made a time lapse film and then people from Wired magazine would see it and they would write about it. And then Nat Geo would pick it up and they would want to do a feature on it and stuff like that. I mean, um, that stuff helped a ton and, I'm sure you could, you know, as far as gaining traction, I mean, you don't have to necessarily wait for uh, people to pick up the work. If you feel as though you have a piece of art that's really valuable, um, that you're really proud of, I mean, you you know, there's nothing wrong with reaching out to people to see if anyone wants to share it or anyone wants to, um, you know, make a story out of it. Uh, and I did that a little bit. I, You know, once I gained the connections with, with some of the different blogs and stuff, I'd be like, hey, I... I I just took this new photo if you want to do anything with it. And sometimes they would, sometimes they wouldn't. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, I, I've never been the best at, you know, I'm not a marketing guy. I'm not a business guy. I just, I'm an artist and I'm a, kind of a lazy one at that, <laughs> you know, but, um, but yeah, I, I just, I just kept sharing the work and, or I kept, uh, kept posting, posting the work and, and uh, no, I was just super psyched that anyone wanted to look at it and, and appreciated it in some way. Cause that in turn, you know, I mean, we all say we, we take photos for ourselves and I agree with that to a certain extent. I do take photos for myself. I mean, obviously when I first started taking pictures, no one would ever see half the time. I wouldn't share my, the pictures with my (laughs) friends or my, my parents. Cause I was like embarrassed. It was only for me. I was the only person that was ever going to see those photos, you know? Uh, but over time, you know, seeing, seeing that the images made other people happy and could even in the smallest way improve somebody else's day. I mean, that in turn made me really happy. And um, so I would say it's, it's, it's both that um, the f- I do take photos for me, for my own happiness, but I, you know, now I, I do kind of take pictures, hopefully a little bit for other people. Yeah. That's uh, a so, perfect yeah. segue to the question I've been trying to formulate in my brain for the last two minutes which is basically like 
uh, and this is something that I've experienced and I'm just curious if it's something you've experienced. Um, and I, the reason I want to ask the question is because I feel like it sounds like you've kind of figured it out, but I'm kind of wanting to know. So do you ever feel pressured, um, to produce, um, more work or to edit photos or to, you know, get something out there like, you know, once a day or whatever that, uh, you know, like maybe you don't have a new photo that you've taken, but you still feel like you need to share something because of that social media presence. Like, do you ever feel that pull? And how, if you have, like, how, how do you, how do you manage that? I think it's hard not to feel a little bit of that. Um, I have definitely felt that more in the past. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I guess now if I don't have, something that I feel like sharing or I don't have a photo that I feel like resharing. I just don't. Um, (laughs) Because, you know, if you don't post on social media for a week or two, it's really not the end of the world. Right. Uh, But there was definitely a time where I felt more of that pressure. And I felt like if I didn't post, people were going to forget about the images and people weren't, people were going to, you know, not like the work anymore. And, um, that was when I was, I don't, I don't know. I, that was probably if, let's see, I probably felt that in, you know, 2000, probably once my page started growing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, and I was seeing a lot of people, um, looking at the photos, I, I definitely felt a little bit of pressure at that point, And I didn't really know how to handle that either, mm-hmm. you know, going from like, <laughs> going from, 50 people seeing the work to like 50,000 people seeing the work in, right? a, in a pretty short period of time. I would say I, I definitely, it took, that was like a learning experience, I guess. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, I, yeah, I really only share when, when I have something that I'm proud of. And uh, I mean, luckily it does push you to get out and shoot more um, to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. If, if you're feeling lazy and you're like, well, I haven't really like, processed and shared a cool photo in a while i i should probably go shoot but then you go out and shoot and realize oh my god i'm having so much fun shooting this is why i got into it in the first place if (laughs) if it is motivation to get out there and shoot and you end up having a great time because of it i guess that's that's definitely a a plus side of it but um, i'm so glad you said that because uh that's been my experience so many times like this the social media thing i feel like it kind of i don't know it distracts you from from why you got into it to begin with. And then it, Mm -hmm. but, but, but on the flip side, it kind of motivates you to do it some more. And then you, and then it reminds you like, Oh yeah, like this is fun. (laughs) I think like anything, there's the pros and the cons, right? Yeah. And, and there's a lot of cons to social media. There's a lot of them, but there's also a lot of pros. I mean, I have, um, part of my career to thank, uh, to social media. I have some of my best friends in photography, right. thanks to social media. Um, and then of course, there's other things that I can say where uh, social media has been a roadblock for me creatively, like caring what people think too much. That's been a problem. Um, taking, yeah. taking like negative criticism. Um, I mean, that's, that's been a problem. I mean, there was, there's, you know, I've gotten I've gotten decent at, you know, I, the thing is, as an artist, you can't expect everyone to like your work. Right. Um, 
so, you know, there, there's a portion of people that are going to really appreciate what you do and, and that's what you focus on. You don't focus on the people who, who don't appreciate what you do, but you know, there are certain cases, like there was one time where I got my, one of my Milky Way photos, which was actually a pretty subtle photo. Um, it was a panorama of the Milky Way over the Dolomites mm-hmm. And it was processed, uh, you know, nice and dark. It wasn't too saturated. I didn't like bring out the the Milky Way nebulosity too much. Um, I had that photo shared on one of those photo blogs. I can't remember. Uh, I'm, well, I'm not going to mention it either way, but it, it was shared by one of those big like photo blog sites. Uh-huh. And like F Stopper, I didn't or really Pixel Petapixel or something. Yeah, it was like one of those, and I didn't realize. I guess what I was getting into when I shared that photo um, <laughs> because I woke up the next day to a few emails of people who were like, Hey, I really like that photo. You know, don't, don't take the negative, you know, don't, don't focus on the negativity or the haters or something like that. It said something like that. I was like, what does that mean? And I was like, I probably shouldn't click on the link. <laughs> But I clicked on the link and it was hundreds of messages. It was like the, 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 there was like 300 comments and hundreds of them were just bashing the hell out of my picture. Just like, this is fake. This is fake. This is, oh, you blended this stupid daytime. Oh my God, this is garbage. And people were arguing. They were getting into arguments. People were defending me saying, I really like the photo. I think it's cool. And then other people be like, well, you don't know anything about photography. This photo, people are going to forget about tomorrow. It sucks. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is so much. I mean, I've had, I've had um, negative uh, comments before, but I was like, Oh, so I, yeah, actually after that, I don't think I took that one too well. I think I like was sitting in my own head thinking like, am I like the way I take pictures and am I doing this wrong? I didn't know there was a wrong, but maybe, I don't know. I was in my own head about it. Sure. Um, I took just talking to a bunch of friends and them being like, that's just what people on some of those websites do. Oh, for they sure. just look for things negative. Like they're not, you know. I mean, anyways, it, that was that was a definitely a moment where I I had to kind of like think about it and and evaluate everything and and realize okay, no, you know these these people just because these people don't like the photo doesn't mean doesn't mean the photo needs to change, right? Yeah, and, it, and that's like anything. It's, Oh, sorry. No, you're fine. It's funny because, you know, I actually, um, I started out mostly as a night photographer myself and did a lot of Milky Way work back in 2011, 2012, 2013. And um, uh, I I started doing a lot of composites and like none of them were any good. But uh, (laughs) and then I, you know, I saw the industry just, you know, everyone does composites now. It's 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 crazy. And um, it kind of forced me personally. I, I'm, the reason I'm telling the story is because I think it kind of might resonate a little bit with what you're trying to say is mm-hmm. I, I kind of had to look inward and say like, what is it about this? Uh, all this noise I'm hearing that bothers me, you know, like people are seeing all oh, this fake, it's not fake. It's real. It's not real. And, um, 
I guess where it, where it made me land is, and I, and it sounds like you're kind of, you kind of did the same thing is you, you kind of looked inward, you, you kind of figured out like, okay, is like, does this, is this important? Should I care? Um, why, why am I so impacted by what these people are saying? And I think mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you just have to feel comfortable with the work you're producing and um, feel like it's a, you know, like if it's, if you can personally uh, justify what you're doing, then it's, then it's, it's fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We all set our little, I guess, our rules for ourselves, uh, or, or you don't set any at all, but we all have a goal for, for when we take a photo sure. usually. Um, and, and every photographer has a different goal of what they're trying to show and, and what they're trying to say. And, and usually the, the way in which you take the photo can, can reflect that goal. And, you know, for me, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I guess it's always just been to really showcase the feeling and the emotion of the experience that I'm having. So, you know, I, I set little things for myself. Like I don't, I don't, I don't really, you know, bring in skies from other places or I don't, I don't do a lot of, I guess, um, compositing work in in the way that people think of composites like i've done twilight blends before and i've done panoramas and i've done stacking and exposure blending and focus uh stacking and and um you know and i guess in that sense just with with what i'm trying to say with the photographs um you know i i generally I don't do a lot of the the composite stuff, but the thing is I've seen some really incredible composites and, and I have, you know, as far as what somebody wants to do to their photo, like you can do whatever you want. Um, and, and it's your art and you, no one really can tell you, you can't, uh, depending on, of course, depending on, then it goes into, um, really the one exception to that is, uh, any sort of like dishonesty or being disingenuous with people. That's the one thing where like, if I see somebody and they make a a star composite, like they're, they're known as like, you know, they're considered a travel photographer. Right. (laughs) And then they go somewhere, like, let's say they go to the Washington coast or something, and then they throw in a Milky way from the Southern (laughs) hemisphere. And then they say something in the description, like, Oh my God, a beautiful night under the stars in Washington. And then people are asking them about it. And they, they are, you know, like no, it's basically real. Basically lying. Me. Yeah, that I yeah. have a I that then I I have a problem with that. I mean, I usually just it is what it is. It's social media, but I guess I just I have less of a problem with the way they're creating their art. I just have a problem with people lying to other people. Um, oh, that's, for sure. That's where for I sure. that's where I really um, and I see and I do see that a lot. But you know, as far as like I've I've followed some pretty cool. Um, I guess you would call they're like in between photographers and kind of kind of like visual digital artists on Instagram. Right. And they're some of the work they produce is really incredible. It really takes you to another world. It really like boosts your imagination. So no, I'm with you. Like if, uh, if you're honest about it and you don't, you know, you're like, Oh, this is Mm -hmm. really how it looks. Like as long as you're honest, like, yeah, this is my artistic creation. I think that's totally, there's, I, I would be, I think you'd be hard pressed to find people that would be like, that's still wrong. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, they, they still do. <laughs> I think most people are cool with that. You know? um, they I, do. I but... have like people who, yeah. um, 
Yeah. Like, I don't know. I get, I get people who criticize me or they ask me questions or the thing is I'm always honest with somebody. If they want to know how I did something, I never have anything to hide. Um, it's like, no, for this one, it's a panorama. No, for this one, it's stacking a bunch of images. For this one, it's a focus stack and an exposure plan. Right. I mean, I have no problem telling people. And then sometimes I say, oh, this is just a single exposure with some Lightroom processing. And they're like, well, I don't believe, you know, people are like, well, I don't believe you. Like there was so much, um, there were so many people who, like some people didn't believe some of my fog shots. They thought the perspective was weird and that it was some composite. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's just a single shot. And then same with same with the eclipse photos and some of my Milky Way photos. And it's just like, well, you guys are just, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. If you don't believe me, you don't believe me. That's fine. But I'm not. And then they're like, show the raw file. I'm like, I've, I'm not going to do done that, that before. But then I've been like, why did I spend the time to do that? I have other things I have to do right. than to try and prove something to this person I've never met before and will never meet before, like, you know, never meet uh, just on Facebook or something. But anyways, yeah, it's it's hard not to yeah. let social media get to you. Um, the biggest thing, I guess, to, to tie it all together, the biggest thing that somebody, t- you know, that people told me a while ago that really stuck with me that I started to that really started to resonate with me is, um, you know, not, not judging your own work compared to the other work that's out there. As long as you're producing work um, and you're expressing yourself and you're being creative and you're building on what you've done in the past, like if, as long as you're progressing yourself as an artist, um, then, you know, that's, that's really, that's, that's the best thing. I mean, it's all about just creating art, having fun, meeting other people going out there and exploring. And if you're doing that, um, then that's, yeah, that's, that's. Yeah. I, I think that's brilliant. And I think it, there's a story I want to tell you. That's a perfect tie in to this, uh, conversation. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I don't, and I don't mean to put you <laughs> on the spot. Uh, but I think it, I think it could result in a really great conversation. So, um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna mm-hmm. go for it, bro. So uh, this past March, um, I was in Iceland for the first time. I'd never been there before and, you know, I'd never been to any of the awesome locations and I hadn't, I have this kind of weird thing where I don't really do a lot of research um, before I go because I kind of want to experience the place and try to interpret it through my own eyes, blah, blah, blah. Like just, it's kind of an expectation management (laughs) thing I do to myself. (laughs) um but uh i was with a bunch of people um i don't know like six or seven of us photographers it wasn't a workshop we were just down there kind of together and uh the 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 aurora just kept going off like every night it was like oh my god where do we want to go tonight oh my god it's gonna go off again and uh we uh we uh we're like let's go to skogafoss i'm like yes let's go Mm -hmm. to skogafoss and uh i was like wait so like what are some good like angles or compositions that we can get Skogafoss with an Aurora. Cause Skogafoss kind of like faces mm-hmm. South and it's like, okay, so how do I, if the, if, if the Aurora is like to the North or whatever, like, how am I going to do that? So I was, you know, of course, what do you do? You get on Google and you Google like Skogafoss Aurora or something like that. And, and uh, of course, like one of your photos pops up right away. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck, yeah, Shane Bloom's photo. Like, that looks amazing. That's sick. And I'm like, throwing it to everyone in the room. Like, let's go here. Let's do this. Let's go mm-hmm. there. 
right? And everyone's like, yeah, man, like that, that looks super cool. So convinced my whole, my whole group to go to Skogafoss and we get up there. I climb up those, you know, those stairs, you know, it's like, I don't know, like half a mile up those stairs uh, to the top of the waterfall where you get that nice perspective looking, I guess it would be, um, I guess it would be looking West mm-hmm. across the waterfall. And then there's like a mountain above it. And then you get Aurora above and I'm setting up for the shot and I take my first shot and I'm looking at the shot and I'm looking at your photo and I'm like, this, this does not look right. Mm-hmm. I'm like the fucking mountain is way bigger in his photo than in the, uh, what I see in my camera. And like, am I in the wrong location? Am I standing in the wrong spot? So I like move around a few times. And finally, I just realized you did a little bit of like perspective blending and kind of warped the photo a little bit, you know, to, to make it fit your composition and mm-hmm. which is what made it a great photograph. Um, and so appealing, but then I was like, I was like, oh, this is kind of disappointing because I was expecting this thing that I see on my phone and I, and I see something totally different. So I, my question for you is like, as someone who has a lot of uh, presence and uh, influence on social media, um, whether or not you admit it or not, that's fact. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, how do you see your role as, as someone with that much power and influence in terms of um, your impact on other photographers and on locations? Hmm. Well, let me think about that for a minute because that's a multi-layer. It is. Question <laughs> in there. Um, as far as and I, didn't, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I was. It's oh, just, it's no worries. Yeah, yeah. It's no worries. Yeah, I think for that one, that was the, if I'm thinking about it correctly, it's the waterfall with Skogafoss and then the aurora right above it. Yeah. And it's kind of like it's a very long vertical panorama. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I guess you, perspective. I guess you could say perspective blending because I had to blend four vertical shots. I think for that one, right? Um, so you know, the bottom shot where I'm face, I'm using the 14 millimeter lens and I'm pointing down towards the water, right? Is kind of creating more of a like a vertical distortion as that mountain starts to enter the the top portion of the lens for sure, right? for sure. kind of like, you know, it's a nice thing to use the 14 millimeter for landscape because you're able to pull people through the scene because the edges of the photo are always uh, sort of distorted and they kind of yank you through and, and <laughs> into the center of the scene. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sometimes that effect isn't what you want, but uh, other times it's a great effect, especially for like seascapes and things like that. So yeah, I think I was doing that for that specific shot. Um, yeah. And I was doing the same thing. I think I was shooting with a 12 to 24. So I was shooting pretty wide and, um, same kind of thing. Like, uh, there's a, you know, there's a ton of distortion and, you know, like there's always going to be that, that need to, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of rethink what it actually looks like in person versus what the wide angle lens is showing you. For sure. I think I went further with stuff like that before than I do now. I think I've eased up in the last like two, two and a half years on, on doing more of the distorted 
like distort, you know, wide angle distortion shots. Um, you know, as we kind of change as artists and yeah, produce new work and and realize what like I go back and reprocess old, my old shots, which I know some people do, some people don't. People have different views on it. I I like to go back and revisit work that I've done in the past and see what I can do with it. And I find that too, I'm going way more. I'm going way less saturated with my colors. I'm going, mm-hmm. you know, way less glowy. I'm I'm usually trying to go more a little more faded, a little more dark and mm-hmm. and I'm accentuating the mood um in a different way than I would years mm-hmm. ago. And mm-hmm. um so yeah, I I I don't th- that's yeah, I'm, I'm sure I've done that multiple times, but um as far as, you know, if somebody looks at that photo and then they go to the place and say, "Hey, the the mountain doesn't look like it does with my eyes that it did in this photo, you know, that, that comes into a bigger discussion of, well, you know, you can't really expect any, I guess not any, but you can, at best a photo can really only represent a subjective experience in a way that I'm saying is even photojournalistic work that that you're looking at Mm -hmm. in a news magazine, the photographer has chosen exactly what they want to show the viewer. That's still Mm -hmm. not an objective reality in that photograph, depending on the news source or depending on the publication, they could, they could choose to show you a completely different angle that will completely change the reality of the story or based, you know, the reality, I guess the story within that photograph. Um, So I, you know, when anyone's viewing work online, I would say almost all of the landscape work that we're viewing is edited in some way, shape or form. The colors have been altered. Um, There's been some sort of post-production. If you're viewing photos on Nat Geo, generally they're going to be a little less processed. Um, You know, photojournalistic work is Mm -hmm. definitely less processed. Um, But yeah, I I guess photography, you know, it's hard because it's still a storytelling device in a way and well and it it act, it, it worked i mean like yeah. you know i was trying to convince all the people i was with that i want that we should go to this location to shoot aurora and mm-hmm. when i showed them your photo everyone was like hell yeah let's go so i feel like from a from a let's get excited about um about nature and about outdoors and everything like that. Like it was an incredibly effective photograph. I mean, I don't want to take that away from you. Like it's an amazing, it's an amazing photo. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, (laughs) you know, it's, it's all, I've always, and, and this goes back to what I was saying before. I've always created art, um, to kind of showcase, uh, certain, mood and emotion and the feeling of being at this landscape the 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 drama within there and a good example of that is like um i have this photo that i took recently in scotland Mm -hmm. and the these little mountain peaks are so incredible they're super jagged and um i was shooting this really misty foggy sunrise it was pretty dark um 
and the feeling of being there was so eerie. It was like something out of a fairy tale. Yeah. It was it was almost a little Yeah, it was def- it was eerie. It felt like little creatures from Lord of the Rings or uh, Game of Thrones were going <laughs> to pop out um, at any moment. And so that feeling, I wanted to accentuate that feeling in post-production. So I took this photo and of course the raw files, a little dull, you know. Um, and I did the same thing. I think I was using a 14 millimeter lens and I was tilting the lens down and the peak was def the peak definitely looks a little more, uh, uh, distorted than it does, you know, if I was to stick the peak right in the middle of the photo, but, um, I took this photo and, and I darkened it, you know, a lot. I under, I purposely underexposed it and, and I added these eerie blue tones uh, and really vignetted it. So the glow coming off the peak could be shown. And there's this little rock circle, uh, in the foreground. So it looks like it could be like a witch's ritual or something like that. (laughs) And it's all about really bringing out that, that mood and, and that feeling. Um, so that's always been my goal. And sometimes that does come out in a fine art sense rather than in, in a photojournalistic mm-hmm. sense, like any of my Milky Way photographs, you know, they're, they're going to be showing the correct positioning. And, and like, if you go out and you look at the Milky Way, that's going to be in that same direction. And, and if you go on that same date, it's going to be that same thing. But, um, which by the way, thank you for uh, doing that. <laughs> Uh, I think that's important, man. <laughs> well, you know, it comes back to the whole honesty thing. Like, I, you know, I, I have no problem. You can do whatever you want with your photos. But if you're going to say, hey, this is a photo of the Milky Way right over Yosemite and you're a travel photographer and you and you post the Milky Way in the wrong spot and then a <laughs> bunch of, and like 10 people go there and they're like, the Milky Way go, is in the opposite direction. How come? Yeah. I don't know. It's. I guess you could argue the same thing about my mountain, though. You could be like, well, the mountains, you know, so it's all, you could argue it well, the, both ways. The mountain sure. is, is, at least the mountain is actually there. <laughs> I guess that's true. I didn't think about that. I mean, I've seen, I've seen very popular Instagram accounts with, you know, two, three hundred thousand people following them where they post a photo and then like in the background, they're putting in scenes from completely other locations. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what, why did you do that? Like you didn't need to do that. Like it's a great scene by itself. You don't have to do that. It's just bizarre. It's yeah. I feel like people, I, without asking them personally, I don't know why they did it, but you know, it seems like they're doing it because they know people like it. Well, I don't know. People definitely, you know, people like that dramatic, uh, dramatic, dramatic milky way sky i mean i know that you know i have some some of my favorite astro pictures don't include the core of the milky way they Uh might be the tail end or or they might just be like a nice star field of some kind and uh you know as far as the general audience those definitely aren't um their favorite pictures they they like the one with the core in it um which is fine but yeah, no, I mean, even my core pictures, I mean, I, I choose, I take my own artistic liberties when, when I process the core, of course, I'm, you know, boosting that contrast, I'm bringing out Absolutely. all those colors and all those tones. And, and it's because the feeling in my, this is just my personal experience. When I'm standing there looking at the Milky Way, it's one of the most, to this day, it's still one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had. Every single time I go out and I shoot the Milky Way in a dark place, it is amazing. And you yes. might not see those colors to the naked eye, but I, when you're standing there f- looking at the stars, like 
looking at all them twinkle, all the vivid, um, all the vivid stars that are just entering your field of vision and you're just staring at this endless field of stars, the feeling of, I guess, all those colors, it, it, it doesn't necessarily feel like reality when you're laying there staring at them. So in a way I, f- you know, I want to bring that, I want to bring out the galaxy as much as possible to kind of accentuate that feeling of how, magical and and intense the moment is if, if that makes any sense it does and i i feel yeah. like um i mean you know as a photographer too like when you see that image on the back of your lcd even the raw file you're like oh my god <laughs> that's amazing and that's that's the experience that you want to um share with other people through your art oh my gosh the best feeling is um when you take somebody like i i used to take a lot of people up to shoot the Milky Way, um, like up in San Inez area. And they would, they had never seen the Milky Way before and they had never taken a picture of the Milky Way. And we get out of the car and they let their eyes adjust and they're like, oh my God. (laughs) Like, oh shit. (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh, especially on a good night where you don't, where you have low light pollution levels and the fog is out and it's, it's staggering how intense it looks. And then of course you take the picture, you look at the back of the LCD screen and you see all those colors, all the little, uh, uh, all the nebulosity in the core and, and Oh my gosh. Yeah. I I don't know about you, but I I like, I lose my shit. I'm like, the, (laughs) the look on people's faces. It's like, I wish I could film. I wish I could record, um, all those moments. They're, they're really special. Absolutely. Um, yeah, man, those are, you know, any of those moments, those are the moments I, man, that, that's, that's what's kept me going. Those, those little moments. And it, and it doesn't have to be something as intense as the Milky Way. I mean, it could just be sitting at the, at the beach watching waves come in. I mean, those are the moments that I, that's what's kept me going in landscape photography. Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what keeps me going. Well, thanks for uh, exploring that topic. I know it's, it's not always easy, you know, getting a question leveled against you about your own work. So I appreciate you uh, taking, taking, taking a, taking for the team there. <laughs> no, I think any artist is, you know, used to it. Like, yeah, well, you you know, we be. all do, we all have different ways of doing things as well. And, um, you know, it's, it's always good to talk about it, but, uh, but yeah, sorry. I kind of like ramble and, and went in a million different directions there. I, I ramble a lot. <laughs> well, hey, man. I mean, I'm smiling right now, so it must have worked. So it's all good. Well, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to shift gears a little bit. Um, so, you know, talking a lot about knife photography, I know you, you primarily started out um, as a knife photographer in terms of, like, what you really wanted to pursue and what you shot the most and what you were passionate about. Um, but you've recently kind of transitioned into kind of more generalist work, like more landscapes in general, a lot of time-lapse, uh, a lot of just, there's more, there's a, you have a much larger body of work now. So I'm curious, I guess I have kind of two questions, three questions from that. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- why have you made that transition? Um, how has it affected how you shoot and what do you prefer? Yeah, for sure. So, um, I definitely, so as far as the Milky Way, so as far as the Milky Way photography, um, I, 
I think that was definitely a main focus probably from 2011 to 2013. Okay. Um, that's like primarily what I shot is just Milky Way photography. And that's kind of like what I was, I guess, known for. Um, and same with time-lapse. I was doing time-lapse during that time as well. But before doing the Milky Way photography and before doing the time-lapse photography, I did do landscape. Um, I, I guess I just, you know, the thing that gained traction <laughs> early on was the Milky Way and, uh, and the time-lapse. And that was kind of like, I guess, a phase that I was going through in my photography. And I really, I still enjoy astrophotography and time-lapse, but I kind of, I guess I, I got myself in a box mm -hmm. where all people wanted to see were the Milky Way photos. Mm -hmm. People knew my photography as the Milky Way photography. And I would post a picture of just like a regular landscape at sunset or a seascape and people wouldn't, people wouldn't be into it. Um, so I guess I, it was, it was sort of an issue that I had to figure out. Uh, it's like, do I keep, and that this is, this goes back to our social media topic <laughs> where we're talking about being influenced by social media yeah. rather than posting exactly what you want. I wanted to do the landscape photography that I had done before. And I wanted to keep doing landscape photography and keep progressing at that. But, but people weren't into it. They, they wanted to see the Milky Way stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I had to make a choice of, am I going to do what these people want or, and, and, you know, just, just keep doing the Milky Way stuff or am I going to, get out of this box and produce whatever I want and run the risk of losing people along the way. And, um, I, I made the choice to, you know, just shoot what I wanted and post what I wanted. And I did lose some people. I mean, people, I think when I first started posting more landscape stuff, people, uh, at least a few people were like, we want the Milky Way stuff, not this, <laughs> uh, which was so weird to me, I guess. But, um, you know, the people who feel that way, um, they're not people who you necessarily want supporting you, I guess, mm -hmm. because if you're feeling a certain way about your art, um, then the people who support you as an artist should be supportive of that as well. You know, uh, I'm sure I would throw people for a loop if from now on I only posted pictures of like models or something, <laughs> you know, but, but I didn't feel as though like posting landscapes was that far of a transition from posting the Milky Way stuff. I mean, sure. Milky Way photography is landscape photography at night. Yeah. You know, astrophotography is just, it's, it's including the night sky. So, um, anyways, I, I, I did a lot of that and, and I did lose a few people along the way, but then I, I was a happier photographer. I was a, a more, uh, broad photographer and it gave me a lot of options to do um, more of the subjects that that I was passionate about shooting like I love shooting seascapes and I was able to get back into that and really explore that and then I got into like mountain photography and waterfall photography which I didn't realize how hard uh, waterfall <laughs> photography was until like 2014 and I tried it and like this is really difficult it's difficult to compose the it's almost impossible to get your lens to be dry. Right, that's so the was, worst part. Was, yeah, it was super fun exploring all these different 
things in photography that I had kind of, um, that I had kind of not done for a few years because I felt like I was in this box. Um, so anyways, yeah, that was definitely a huge thing for me, I would say. And, and as far as, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely opened up my work. It's, it's allowed me to explore a lot of subject, different subjects. And, um, it's, it's made me a happier photographer for sure. Well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you've done that. Cause, um, yeah, thank you. I, I really, I actually really like your seascape work. Um, some of the, some of the best seascapes that I've seen. I don't, I don't know why it's just something about, <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, I think it's composition and color and light. I don't know. They're just really, I don't know. I, I like them a lot. So I'm glad you did it. Seascapes. Yeah. Seascapes are, they're definitely one of my favorite. They're definitely one of my favorite, um, things to shoot. Just, I guess I grew up in San Diego, so I've always had a pretty strong connection I've never really lived away from the ocean and, you know, I've always had a pretty strong connection with the ocean. So being able to get out there and, you know, just be in the water while shooting and, um, oh my God, it's so much fun. I, you know what, speaking of that, I need to go out and shoot more (laughs) seascapes. I haven't shot a seascape in a while. You know, I gotta, I gotta get out there and shoot more. Yeah, man. All right. Well, cool. I want to, I got like 5,000 questions I want to ask you, but, uh, I think I've got maybe four more if we have time. So um, one of the kind of question topics, questions that I wanted to explore with you, and this this comes from one of our listeners. Uh, it's a Facebook question from uh, David Barthel. And uh, his question is essentially like, as someone who has a huge social media following, how do you uh, address your time management? Like how much... I guess essentially the question is like how much of what percentage of your time do you spend just addressing your social media, like answering comments, um, answering emails, like, and, and have you, have you seen that pull you away from the things that you probably want to be spending more time on, like actually taking photos? Mm. Um, I do spend time on social media, responding to people and answering questions and sending messages, um, taking comments and posting images, of course, and also, you know, sharing some love to other photographers that, that I, that I really like if I see something I'm really into. Um, and do I find that it takes away from me shooting there? I'm sure there's been a time where I obsessed over it a little and um, maybe I, I didn't go shoot because I needed to do something on social media, but I don't, I haven't felt like that in a while. Um, I do it when I have time, when, when I'm, you know, when I'm not doing other things that are important, like doing other business things or actually processing the images that I take or in general on a trip, taking the pictures. I mean, if I'm on a trip and I don't have service and I don't post for a week or two and I don't respond to people, I mean, I've had, I've had people message me like, are you still alive? Yeah. No, I'm actually, I'm more alive than (laughs) usual. You know, I mean, in general, the whole reason I do photography is to do photography, not, not to sit there on social media. And I, I try and answer as many questions as I can, of course. And if I have time, I'm more than happy to do all of that stuff. But, um, I, yeah, I don't stress out too much about it. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't stress out too much about 
um, you know, social media. I do it when I can. And if I don't have time for it, I, I just, you know, don't do it for a little bit. But um, yeah, it's time management is interesting. I mean, if I, if I spent time posting an image every single day, responding to every single comment, responding to every single message on <laughs> like Facebook and Instagram and wherever else I post, I would not, I would, I wouldn't be a photographer. Right. That's not a photographer. That's a social media <laughs> account manager, you know? Um, so like I said, I do what I can in my free time because most of what I do in, on social media is still personal. Sure. Most of what I'm posting is personal. I don't run ads every day. Um, you know, most, most of what I post is not sponsored unless it's stated. Uh, so most of what I do on social media is personal. So I do it in my personal time, I would say. All right. Well, thanks. That, that makes sense, man. So, um, I got probably three more questions for you. Um, so one of mm -hmm. the other listeners, um, on our uh, Facebook group, uh, for the podcast, uh, Kirk Keys, he made mention of a video that you produced, which I hadn't seen yet, which is called Cascade uh, Waterfalls in Slow Motion. And I went and took a look at it and holy shit, I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. So first of all, way to go. Like that is some amazing work, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's, I was like, man, I wish I could do that. Uh, that's really cool. So his question is, um, which I immediately resonated with his questions. Um, how did you come up with the concept to shoot that scene and how did you film it? Yeah. So, um, I used a, a camera with underwater housing for that. And it, it, it had been something I wanted to do for a really, really long time. I, I, I've always wanted to shoot kind of like partial underwater stuff while still including the landscape, like half underwater, half with the landscape. Um, and for that one, I, I just thought it would be really fun to do a more abstract piece on the waterfalls rather than, you know, cause I, I could have just, I guess, filmed a bunch of slow motion scenes of the waterfalls and, and done a video that way. And, and I already had some time lapses shot of the waterfalls as well. And I've done aerial on the waterfalls. And I guess I just wanted something that was a little more, it was like more non-literal, um, something where a lot of the scenes you, you almost can't tell what it is until something happens in the scene to reveal, um, reveal the waterfall or reveal a subject that is more recognizable and sort of just exploring the motion and, and kind of the, I guess the more unseen things like what we don't notice because you can look at a waterfall or uh, you can look at the ocean and see it from your perspective and you see everything that's going on, but there's all these different things that, that are happening that we don't ever notice like these little, you know, little bubbles or these, these tiny little particles of water flying by um, these more macro scenes that, that we just don't generally see, you know, I mean, our, our, totally. unless we're sitting there like with a magnifying glass staring at everything, which actually sounds like a pretty cool idea, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was a really fun video. Like I, I was just trying to have fun with it. I was trying to do something a little, little different with it. And um, that took about 
two weeks of filming. I think I filmed every day for about two weeks. Oh, um, shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's amazing, man. Because, like, you know, what is it, like, three minutes or something? <laughs> Well, there's videos that have taken me years that are only three minutes that I'll print that are going to take me more years because I'm never going to finish them. But um, yeah, that that one was super fun. I mean, I tried to shoot as many waterfalls as I could. I did like a lot of the waterfalls in the gorge. I did some of the ones further south um, towards like Bend and and towards uh, yeah uh, towards the California border. And I recognized quite a few of yeah. them. I think I've shot most of the ones you put in there, but, uh, God, it, I don't know, I guess like for me though, the, what made it effective is that, uh, it just better than what a, a single still image could do. It, it just took me right back to those locations. Um, mm. and, but not just took me back. It, it made me remember what it was like to be there. It made me remember what the sounds were. It made me remember like, just what I felt when I was there. So uh, very effective work. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I think some, sometimes motion can do that. Um, I'm not saying that people can still feel a lot of those emotions through photography as well, but I definitely get like, if I, I guess with a photograph, People, you know, people tell me that more when they see like one of my time lapse videos or something like that. Like it really brings them back to when they were there. It really puts them into the space. I think it's because when you're showing a video or a time lapse, you're or even aerial, you're you're showing them a 3D space, and it's more like you're you're getting more of your senses with with the audio and the visuals. Um, I guess it becomes a little bit more of an experience mm -hmm. rather than like, I love viewing photography and I think with photography, it's nice because it's almost more, and I could be I, I could be talking bullshit here, but maybe it's a little more self-reflective when you're, when you're able to really sit and look and analyze a still frame mm. and just sit there and appreciate it, yeah. and it and it doesn't move. So you're able to take in every little right. piece of the image um, and really analyze it. But with, with video, you're kind of like, I guess in a way you are sort of leading the viewer's hand through the experience more than with a photograph. So, um, anyways, yeah, no, uh, I love doing both yeah. for, for different reasons. I love photography. I love video. And, um, if I'm getting bored of shooting time-lapse, I'll do photography or do something else. And if I'm getting a little bored of processing still images and taking those, then I'll work on a time-lapse video for a while or something else. So it's, it's, it's fun to have the variety, I would say. Absolutely. Um, my experience with time-lapse has been that it takes an incredible amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it does take a while. I mean, it's hard. It's got to take a while. Time is in the name. Yeah, know? right. <laughs> Good call. But, Good uh, points. Touche. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, I love, I love time-lapse because, and I got into time-lapse in a weird way because I just, I wanted to make videos, but at the time I couldn't afford a camera that shot video. Uh -huh. Like I couldn't afford to buy a camcorder or anything like that. Um, and so I would click my, like I had the, what, what did I have at the time? Rebel XT, Canon yeah. Rebel XT. And I would just click the shutter a bunch of times. Like I would click the shutter, <laughs> I would try and time it out and I would click the shutter for like 30 minutes and then I would put that together and 
what I was doing was <laughs> making a stop motion clip, but really it was a time lapse. It was just a really crude way of doing a time lapse. Right. And so that's actually how I got started um, doing that. I, I would just do scenes like that. And, and then I would use um, probably like Windows Movie Maker or one of those programs and put them all together to music and speed all the, all the scenes up. Um, and then that started evolving and I started learning how to do smooth motion. I started learning the motion control stuff, um, and how to actually really make something more cinematic. But it started with me just like the clouds are moving <laughs> and I want to somehow capture that. And I don't have any other way of shooting a video. So I, you know, a video is just a bunch of pictures, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a bunch of pictures at 23 frames per second or at 30 frames per second. So I just was like, well, I'll clip, I'll click a bunch of frames and then hopefully get close enough to a video. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you do some amazing time lapses, so I appreciate you doing them. <laughs> oh, I, thanks so much for, for watching them. <laughs> sure, man. All right. So, uh, two more questions and, uh, then we can wrap up. So, um, I guess, you know, based on the name of the podcast, F Stop, Collaborate, and Listen, what advice do you have for other photographers? I think the advice would be to shoot as much as you can. Just go out and shoot. Like, even if you maybe don't feel like shooting, just, uh, you know, push yourself. Because really just the experience and practice and and you never know, even if you didn't want to go shoot, you might find something you really like along the way and, and you might be glad you went out and shot anyways. Um, and then just try new things and keep, keep exploring. Um, you know, even if you're content with what you're creating, which I, I can't think of it. I can't <laughs> think of an artist who feels that way, but, uh, you know, no. <laughs> even, even if you feel content, um, you know, always try new things, always keep exploring, keep progressing what you're doing. And, um, I think those those would be the two things I would I would say and and of course back to our you know talking about our our um, conversation about social media and and other people influencing do what you love do what you are passionate about what you feel is is the right thing to do for your art and uh, you know don't let anyone tell you otherwise just do it you know it's your art um, so. As long as you're happy with it and you're creating something that you're passionate about. I mean, that's, that's what really matters. Absolutely. Yeah. My final question is, uh, who are some people that, uh, you think would be cool to hear on the podcast? Yeah. So, um, my buddy Marco Grazi, I spent, um, a decent amount of time with him in Europe shooting in, uh, the Faroe Islands and in the Dolomites. And in, and in Scotland, I forgot about that. Yeah, we, we were like shooting together for almost a month. Um, he's super funny. He's a really nice guy and he's a good photographer. Um, and he, I feel like he'd be entertaining to listen to because I'm sure he has some great stories. Uh, and then the other person who's um, a photographer but also just been a part of the industry for an extremely long time would be Russell Preston Brown from Adobe. Um, he's, he's a very interesting guy and i feel like you'd have some great conversations with him yeah I, I feel like i've watched about 20 of his tutorials like how do i do that in <laughs> photoshop and it's like oh here we go yeah exactly now that i feel like that would be a 
yeah, it'd be interesting to hear his take on everything and, and hear some discussions about it all. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. What do you, uh, what do you got uh, coming up for you in the next couple months? Um, you know, just working on new images, new videos. Um, I'm working on some different tutorial stuff. So along with the, you know, post-production tutorials I have, I'm, I'm working on doing some more in-field tutorials. Uh, we're setting up new workshop schedule for 2019. Um, and then, you know, other than that, just creating, creating art, creating more images and hopefully making some more videos too. Yeah. Nice. And uh, where can people find your uh, video tutorials? Um, that's It's all going to be on my website. So just uh, shamebloomphoto.com. So it's just my last name and then photo. Um, and then I, I do post on, you know, like we talked about, I do post on social media. But uh, I've been trying to post um, the, the highest quality stuff over on my website and write a little bit more about it, like write the stories about the adventure and, and write some new blog posts. So, um, yeah, I would say that's probably the, the better place to see it all. Cool. Well, we'll have, uh, we'll have links to everything we talked about in the show notes Awesome. over, over on my, my blog as well. So, um, if people want to watch that super cool cascade waterfalls in slow motion, I'll definitely have a link to that. Hey, awesome. Well, thanks so much. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, I think uh, that wraps it up. Um, I, we've got a bonus episode we need to record for Patreon, and I, I think we've got some good ideas. I was hoping to talk to you about uh, a story about um, you taking a photo of lightning over the Golden Gate Bridge, <laughs> and uh, and uh, we've got some listener questions, uh, some additional listener questions that I wanted to ask you as well. So, um, sweet. Yeah. Well, thanks again, man. This is a hype to keep you longer, but uh, thanks, man. It's been really fun. No, yeah, this is an awesome conversation. And again, I I just, yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, It's awesome. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Well, thanks to Michael for taking the time to visit with us today. Uh, You can find out more about him and his amazing photography on his website at shanebloomphoto.com. You'll find links to all the topics we discussed and more in the show notes over on my blog at mattpainphotography.com. Please support us by writing a review about the podcast in the iTunes store. It'll take you like 20 seconds, and uh, it helps people find the podcast and uh, helps me grow the podcast. Thanks to Bab1924 for their recent five-star review. You're awesome. Um, You can also support the show by making a monthly contribution through Patreon. Kind of the basic level is $5 a month, uh, which gives you access to uh, bonus episodes. And uh, this week over on Patreon, Michael and I uh, answer some listener questions from our Facebook group. And we talk about his story about capturing this awesome photo of lightning over the Golden Gate Bridge, which is also over in the show notes if you want to check that out. Uh, thank you to our newest patrons, Steve Bennett and Dimitri Kirshner. Uh, really appreciate you guys helping out the podcast. Uh, if you want to drop me a line about the podcast, either suggestions or ideas, um, or if you have uh, someone in mind that you would like to hear on the podcast, or if you want to be on the podcast, uh, reach out to me. Don't don't be shy. Uh, visit my website, uh, mattpainphotography.com. Um, and then also you can hit me up on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, 
It's Matt Payne Photo or Matt Payne Photography. Thanks for listening.